once again. The maniacs. The music ones. We're side after dark. Your new favorite band. Not mine. I don't. I don't like. I don't think we're that good. But maybe. Maybe you like us. That's cool. Not this time. <laughs> and uh, we're here talking about music, and we're talking a lot of shit like we typically do. Uh huh. And today we have a special topic. One of the greatest, most legendary, and most influential singers that's ever existed. Yeah. Somebody whose life was filled with a lot of talent. Yep. And a lot of tragedy. Yes. Who are we talking about? Billie Holiday, the one and only. We're talking about Billie Holiday. But before that, I need to take a few minutes to tell the people at home that this city, the city of New York, <laughs> is falling the fuck apart. I cannot believe this shit that just happened. First of all, I'm mad late to our own podcast right now. So let me explain this. Okay. I left work early today. Okay. Detailed. For, for reasons that will be explained further on in the podcast. Uh-huh. It was for the podcast. Right. Okay. And I left early thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be here early. I'm going to get everything set up. By the time Cephas here, we're good to go, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not what happened. Uh-oh. So I'm on my train. I'm about to transfer. I'm on Union Square. Uh-huh. I'm about to get onto the infamous L train. I don't know <laughs> if you guys know anything about that. but Runs across Manhattan, goes into Brooklyn, all the way down into Canarsie. Indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and the platform is mad crowded. Okay. Like, like the entire platform was waiting on like one side and I'm already like, okay, well something's up here. Something was happening this morning though. Well, th- well, I guess something was happening all goddamn day. Cause mm-hmm. this is 6 PM we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So I, and then there's a guy from the MTA, the metropolitan transit authority <laughs> walking around, no trade service. Trade's not running everybody. <laughs> it's not, nope, it's not running. And I'm just like, fuck. You know why? Why? Someone got hit by a train again. Wow. It's like fucking every day someone gets hit by a train. Wow. I got to start placing bets on this shit. This is insane. Like, fucking A. Like, how, how many times is this going to happen? I, uh, every day, apparently. Like, every day. This is crazy. It's crazy. And I'm just like, all right. So I'm like, all right, well, the train's not running. Let me just see Uber. It would be like 60 bucks to get from... Union Square to where I live in Brooklyn, which is only like, I don't know, three actual miles. How annoying. Right? So I'm like, okay, so let me think. Okay, so I can go over, I can go over to the the M train and I can take that to Brooklyn and then I'll walk a little further. No big deal. Mm -hmm. So I go to the M train and I'm not the only one that thought this clearly (laughs) (laughs) because I get on the platform of the M train. There's so many fucking people on this platform. Wow. The only place to walk, it's like there's like this much room at the very end of the platform. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking and I'm like paranoid as fuck. Like I'm about to get hit by the train. Right. Like I'm about to get pushed onto the fucking train. Mm -hmm. So I walk right up to a pillar and I just like hold on to it Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I'm not going to be, you're not seeing me on the news. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm waiting there for a while. The train pulls up. Motherfuckers are crowding the train before mm-hmm. the doors even open. Of course. And I literally said, I was like, yo, let the people get off first. It's better for all of us. And right. they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, So the people get <laughs> Genius. off. Genius. Yeah, like, oh, I never would have thought of that. It's weird. <laughs> I never knew that was a thing. So all the people get off the train, and then I'm getting, I'm towards the front, and I'm getting pushed in this fucking train yes. like I'm at a goddamn Travis Scott concert. Yes. That's how I really felt. Mm-hmm. I really was being, I was like, yo, I don't have any control over this. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is not good. Mm-hmm. And I finally get in, and I, I get to spot, and I hold the pole, and this girl goes out of her way to tell me to put my fucking mask up because it must have fallen a little bit during the 
be getting pushed onto wow. the train. And I get why she was doing it, but I'm just like, are you, you see what just happened here? This is crazy. So every single stop, mm-hmm. people are trying to get into the train and we're all like, nope. <laughs> Damn right. We're all like, nah. And this, this one lady's like, are you serious? I've been waiting for 30 minutes. And we're like, well, what, did, what do you look around? <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? She was like, you can't move in. He was like, move where? <laughs> what are you talking about? So it takes like 30 minutes for me to get to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I get to the first stop, Marcy Ave, right? We're sitting on this fucking platform for like 15 minutes with the doors open, packed like sardines. And they say, oh, sorry, everyone. This train's out of service. Yes. I'm like, God fucking damn it are you kidding me so we get the same thing again everyone gets on the platform there's no room on the platform at this point now everyone's just pushing everybody we're up we're elevated this is an elevated subway so Mm -hmm. i'm like this is just bad this Mm -hmm. is just a bad situation all around so i'm getting through all these people i'm getting through all these people and as i'm about to get to the exit they say okay service is restored we're Mm -hmm. moving again nice and i literally said out loud fuck that (laughs) <laughs> and I walked down and I got an Uber and it was still $40. Whoa. Whoa. From Marcy? Yeah. Oof. For me to meet you just now till we do this. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus Christ. That's and I terrible. left mad early from work. <laughs> I was like course. so ready to get shit done. I was so hyped for the podcast. But it's all good because we're here to celebrate the legacy. Mm-hmm. Of Billie Holiday. Yes, who I'm sure would have had quite a few things to say about New York City as well. That's why I feel like it was okay to do this little rant. (laughs) If we were talking about somebody else, I wouldn't have done it, maybe. Billie Billie Holiday would have said, child, I never ride the subway. Yo, if we were talking about someone from L.A., I'd be like, all right, just hold it in. Just don't fucking... But she would have understood, I think. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Billie. All Mm. right, you want to start it off? Yeah, uh, Billie was born in... What most people think of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as Eleanor Fagan to two teenagers, pretty much uh, Clarence Holiday and uh, Sadie Fagan. So she pretty much grew up with her parents, mm-hmm. and um, you know uh, her mom worked different odd jobs. Her father wanted to be a musician, and uh, one day he went out to buy some cigarettes, and um, classic, <laughs> and then stayed doing on uh, the music and. Um, uh, Billy, well, she was a, a child of young parents. So I know quite a few of those children just like from people that I know through the neighborhood. And it's like when you're like a child of a super young parent, you are somehow like just really super carefree. There's like no rules for you in a way. Like um, some kids come out different, but a lot of them come out like that, you know. So, you know, with Billy, like by the time she was um nine she was pretty much doing like jobs and stuff like that and one day uh she was uh almost raped and she was sent to a reform school right it was a catholic school right yeah a catholic reform school and they treated her like (laughs) shit there so i don't have myself i don't have too much um familiarity with um catholic institutions yeah but i don't hear great things right <laughs> so when I heard that, I was like, "Ooh, ten, ten, ten!" It wasn't it like she got punished for being raped, basically. Yes, yeah, so she was accused of trying to seduce the guy as well. And she was like eleven. Yeah, so we don't know exactly what happened, but um, at the same time, she was eleven with a job, with jobs, yeah, hanging around the streets, two teens as parent. 
It, Wait, so, she was in Baltimore or Harlem at this time? Not, she grew up in Baltimore, right? Yes, uh, uh, Baltimore and Philadelphia area. Her mom, they then moved to New York after yeah, to, to yeah. kind of like um, get away from... Well, uh, I, I wanted to go back on some of those points, though. Yeah, because um, she has two teen parents and she's like pretty much running the streets. I don't want to say that a child being taken advantage of by an older person um, is is a good thing, but... Uh, a, f- a forced ripe child like what i would call billy holiday where it's like you grow up you have teen parents and like you're you already out in the streets it's like i wouldn't say that she didn't flirt with this guy and she didn't you know what i'm saying do like you know but, but she's still a child but i've seen like really young girls do sexual things they don't know what they're doing you know what i'm saying but i've seen them do things at ages that they're not ready to comprehend what like they don't doing. even really know what they're doing yeah so maybe she did do something silly you know what i'm saying or something that she thought was what women do but she's still an 11 year old and that doesn't mean that, that that you're granted access just because she did flirt with you you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. you know so so yeah it's one of those things you know because people were getting married and having babies at 12 in those times like, well that you know? yeah that's one of the things i wanted to say like so first the first point is like yeah like when your parents are that young when they have you like they're still kids mm-hmm. like they're still trying to figure out how this whole life thing works mm-hmm. at the same time so it's like they're trying to raise you while they're still figuring out how to be an adult right so it's like this so it's like i don't know it's just like this crazy thing where yeah you really are like all growing up together mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's why like there's some situations where like somebody has someone young and they say it's like their sister yeah right and mm-hmm. it's like your grandma is like your mom right. you know what i mean and you get yeah. into shit like that but yeah. But, like, yeah, that's just, I mean, yeah, so she came in, first of all, great starting point. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. And then she gets sent to the reform school where I heard a story that the, she used to give the Catholic nuns so much hell yeah. that they what? That they made her stay in a room with a dead body. Yes. Right? Yes. Is that not normal for Catholic school? <laughs> Sounds pretty quid pro quo for, for Catholicism. Catholicism. I went. Did I tell you about the one time that I went to a Catholic mass? Yes, and I always laugh at it. I chuckle to myself sometimes because you really like the peace be with you part. I really. There was a few things that stood out to me. So I went to a confirmation for one of my family friends. Mm-hmm. It was the only time I'd ever been in a Catholic. I think it's still the only time I've ever been in a Catholic church. Yeah, but anyway. So first of all, this is how paranoid, how paranoid and neurotic Jewish people are. The whole time I was in there, I was like, they're going to try to convert me. <laughs> and I was like 11. <laughs> I was already like, I was like, they know I shouldn't be here. <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay, I got in. I was like, okay, this is fine. It's, you know, I've been to religious things before. I get it. Um, I was like, there's a lot of standing and sitting. Yes. Not really a fan of that. <laughs> me neither. Like, oh, the standing and the sitting, I'm, I'm, I'm spitzing over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and i remember um you know we're doing all that and then i'm like oh shit it's snack time <laughs> time for your wafer and wine and i kind of was like looking at my dad like can i go can i <laughs> and he was like mm. <laughs> like don't <laughs> but then yeah and then they did the peace be with you part i thought it was so fun <laughs> i was just shaking everybody's hand i'm like yeah if you Peace. peace be with you peace be with you not you but you you're you seem like a good guy but yeah that's all the experience that i have with the catholic church but i've heard other things yeah <laughs> right? yeah some serious of course corporal punishment you know i mean uh, i mean 
I was always getting left with dead bodies at school. Like <laughs> always. I mean, it's just like, oh. oh if you God. had to guess a number. <laughs> I would say about 666 times. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Unreal. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, okay. This is the other point. So, yeah, you were starting to talk about this. Like, back in the day, like, you had to grow up faster because mm-hmm. the life expectancy wasn't that long. Right. Like, people only lived to, like, 50-something. Yeah. Like, people grew up fast. Yes. Like, people dropped out of school before even high school, and then they were just working. So, yeah. they were basically adults at, like, 12, 13 years old. Absolutely. So so Billy got sent to this school mm-hmm. and then her family moved to Harlem, right? Right. And this is like 20 in the 20s, right? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. 26, 27 cuz she was born in 15. Yeah. So yeah, around there. And this is the thing. I don't know if y'all knew this about Harlem in the 20s. It was kind of popping. Mhm. And um she got a little taste of that. <laughs> I try to do it. Try to have the juke <laughs> joint. <it. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there was a lot of things going on for her to to kind of influence her. Yeah, yeah. Because like you know, they got up there, and the mother was you know pretty much turning tricks, washing floors, doing anything to just survive. And um, Billy was too. And she got out of reform school, and she was like you know working in brothels, running errands in brothels, and all that stuff like that. That just wasn't for her. And mm-hmm. her father was a good jazz influence on her because he ran away to um Fletcher Henderson's band who was pretty popping then too mm-hmm. um uh i think like Chick Webb played in that band as well or something like that so we mentioned Chick Webb in the um the drumming check it out music maniacs <laughs> with side after dark So, yeah, so she started, um, she, so it was clear that, you know, she didn't want to do that, like, just, you know, turn tricks for the rest of her life and just, like, do, like, street hustles that she, she did want to make something of herself, so she started. Maybe she was just really committed to Catholicism and she wanted to be like Mary. That's true. That's true. You know? Mm -hmm. You ever think about that? Jesus is the way, folks. That's all I'm saying. All right. You fill in the blanks. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) No, but, uh, no, that's it. So she started, like... Just going around looking to see who'd play her, uh, listen to her. I forgot who exactly she sang for the first time. Um, she went into a, a club and, and John Goodman came to see her. Yes. Okay. But I think, well, that was who signed her, right? Yeah, because he was expecting to see someone else. Like, she was singing around. Uh, she wanted to be a dance. That's what it is. Here I am with the story. So <laughs> story she, time she figured fun. that she could dance. So she goes into all the popping spots in Harlem and she's trying to audition to be a dancer. Yeah. And at this particular spot, um, the guy was like, no, like <laughs> just, she was like, he was like, what else can you do? Like, please. And she was like, well, you know, um, I could sing. So she opened her mouth and I she like started sing. singing and right away she was booked. Just like that. Yep. I mean, with a voice like that, you know, it's just incredible. She did say one time that she doesn't like to just straight sing. Yes. You know, she, uh, Louis Armstrong was like one of her favorites, you know. So, and and when you hear both of them sing, she does emulate him in a lot of her style. Mm -hmm. But like Dan likes to say, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. (laughs) But yeah, so something else that I heard, so that before even that, like she was at some other kind of like club where they would just, she would just go around like singing from table to table. Okay. And then like she tried to like sing the song differently for every table. Oh. And that was part of what kind of 
made her able to like improvise yeah. and like bend the song yeah. in like the way that she became so famous and known for. But mm-hmm. again, that's that's gonna come later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so when she was eighteen, yeah, what what was his name again? The guy, John the, Goodman. Yeah, yeah, John Goodman, the producer, right, went to this club to see somebody else. John Hammond. I'm sorry. Hammond. Correction. Sorry. Sorry. Shout John out to you, Goodman. John Hammond. Yeah, John Goodman is in the Big Lebowski. No. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I literally would just go. I'm like, yeah, it totally was John Goodman. He was definitely there. Um, but yeah, so then he was there for somebody else, but she was just like sick that night or something. Yeah, Monet or Monette, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but she was a big um, catch too. So John Hammond was actually, yeah, going there to see her, mm-hmm. but Billy uh, had replaced her that night. So yeah, so she's singing and he's just like, whoa, who's this? <laughs> right. This isn't who I came here for, but this is something. Yeah. And then basically signed her like immediately, right? Right away. Pretty much right away with Benny Goodman. I mean, why would you not sign her? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just the way she sings. I mean, just that little, those little inflections and stuff. I just love her style. But yeah, so she started popping pretty much right away. She started um, singing with Benny Goodman's band, who we also mentioned in our um, stuff. And then it was like his band. It was um, Count Basie. Mm-hmm. She got big with Count Basie and started traveling around with Count Basie. And um, uh, Count Basie had her but there was like a rival band mm-hmm. a singer that you may have heard of called ella fitzgerald who ella i think it's fitzgerald i pretty much think has she, that's has she her done anything name. good a <laughs> couple of things okay just a couple of things that's cute but um so she had her band that that um she sang for mm-hmm. so these bands were constantly dueling or in competition with each other um, and they had like battle of the bands, um, nights too, where Ella would pull out her knife and Billy would pull out her knife and the bands would rise right behind them and they would circle around in syncopation. Just kidding. But no, they would. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> Me too. I would totally watch that movie. Right. Me too. Hollywood, get on it. <laughs> All the band members, like, they have, like, katanas. Exactly. So it's like, you can't get too close to the stage. You got to stay up front. You can't get too close to us. It's like the ring. They make a boxing ring out of swords. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> Continue, please. But, um, you know, and, and it would be nights where it's like, okay, well, one magazine said that uh, Ella's band won, and next night, the next magazine mm. said Billy's band won. And Ella and Billy ended up actually becoming good friends in yep. the end, so it's a really cool uh, story, but friendly competition, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so going forward, right? So now she's, um, Count Basie, after a while, was sick of Billy. Like, come on now. Why was that? Well, she wanted to come in. She wanted to sing the song the only way she wanted to sing it. So all the um, um, instrumentalists had to adapt to her style. So if Mm -hmm. it's like a song, let's say like Stormy Weather, it's normally sang in a key of whatever, like A or something like that. Yeah. And Billy comes in and is like, hell no, I'm not singing in that key, basically. She's like, and I don't want you stopping here. I don't want you starting here. I want the intro to go a little bit longer. Imagine now. So these are trained professionals and they're dealing with this. This is this is great though because this is what I wanted to talk about a little oh. bit when we were getting ahead of ourselves. Oh. So that is a big deal for a lot of reasons because 
before we talked about this before like the way that music evolved is really interesting like before when we were talking in the drum video mm-hmm. like the drums were originally like very steady on the beat right. so that people could dance to it mm-hmm. like music like it was a lot of dancing mm-hmm. and it was really like meant to be like right on the beat so that people could dance to it yeah right and there was a big disconnect between songwriters and singers yeah a lot of the time it wasn't the same thing uh, a lot of the time the person would write the song and just give it to the singer and they're like okay do exactly this right but billy was not doing that no she was one of the first people to really make the song her own mm-hmm. she would she would sometimes they were saying that she would actually change the melody to fit the music yeah which at that time was just like unheard of yeah people were like what the fuck like we got this this is a good thing why you gotta go change it mm-hmm. she was like i'm i'm making it better like right. she's, I don't know if she, she might've actually said that. You never <laughs> but, know. <laughs> but like in reality, that's what was happening mm-hmm. is she was really making it hers and she was owning it. Yeah. And something you said before how, you know, she, she loved like Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Like she always wanted her voice to be like an instrument mm-hmm. and like, you know, jazz players, like the instrumentalists, they were already doing things where they were like improvising and they were, you know, messing around with the beat a little bit, like right. a little before, a little after the beat, things like that. Right. But what she did is she brought that to singing. Yep. Which is like, I mean, it's almost hard to explain like how big of a deal that really is. For, it really is. For what happened after that and how influential that was. Absolutely influential. Like even to this day when I listen to jazz and I listen to a lot of songstresses, um, tackle the melody in such a, like an off tone or you know and i'm just like i still ask myself like how did they do that like how did they think of doing that like mm-hmm. why would your brain want to veer you off into this tone and so that you know and it's and it still fits you know how did you find the courage you know to do that with the song you know because it, it it is a big deal mm-hmm. you know it's really crazy yeah she really just had the courage to be like no i'm i'm gonna make this the way that i want to make it mm-hmm. which that's the thing like that's basically what all pop singers do now yeah but she was really the first one to do that and that's why the band members were like kind of not happy with that because they were not expecting some singer to just come in and tell them what to do and we got to change this and we got to change this that's not really how it went down right count basie was like i hate courage (laughs) he hated it quote that's a quote that was a quote put it in writing so you know um uh, a lot of like the touring and stuff had gotten exhausting for her too down in the south and i'm sure like that had a lot to do with it too you know tensions or whatever and um you know she she got fired she definitely she got fired from count basie's band mm-hmm. and you know she was roaming the streets for a while roaming the music streets and mm-hmm. she didn't have like a home and then she got picked up by Artie shop mm-hmm. so that was a bit controversial right right because she's like a female black lead and it's a white big band and we also mentioned Artie Shaw as well and um, I don't even remember who we all talked about I'm just gonna go with yeah 100% we had a whole 20 minutes on him yeah because um some of the drummers that we um mentioned like Gene Krupa and stuff like that were in those bands and stuff so it's like they they definitely would come up because they're all you know the innovators and stuff like that so she's an Artie Shaw's band and they're touring the south and they're touring the north and they're touring the east and I don't think they're touring the west yet but you know touring the west (laughs) almost (laughs) (laughs) they probably should have toured the west she probably would have had better deals out there but I don't think jazz was a big thing out in the west you know it's pretty much yeah it seems it feels like it has like an east coast or midwest kind of thing right like it almost stops at chicago in a way like you know or east st louis yeah shout out to miles davis Uh, uh. anyway 
but um yeah so she joins his band and that's like hard on her because it's like she she goes down south and you know she's got to enter during through the kitchen and she can't go down to the dining room to have uh food she can't have drinks i mean even up here in new york at the lincoln hotel they were like you got to go in through the back like Mm -hmm. you know which is just crazy and she she quit artie shaw's band but artie shaw really liked her and um and liked where the music was going but i think at at one point like they they went i think they were going as far as they could go as a unit and mm-hmm. then the lincoln hotel incident where she couldn't um dine with with the rest of the band that's where she had really really effing had enough and i think i would have had enough then too because it's like it's new york like it's one thing if it's the south right, and it's right. like they've got their own laws but it's like this is supposed to be the the most free city in the whole country and if you're gonna pull this bullshit here then like i no right yeah and I almost for- I forgot to say this before. I wanted to give an example of her playing with the beat mm-hmm. because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about this before. Well, we talked about this a lot with um, Sinatra, right? Who he straight up said that Billy was his favorite singer, Crazy. and and he was like, yeah, like everybody owes everything to Billy in pop singing, basically. That's crazy. But like, I'll they're get, born like, the a- same year. Yeah, 1915. Yeah. Shout out. Isn't that crazy? That's we're talking about someone that was born over 100 years ago. I mean, oh my gosh. And and but and what's even crazier is like I remember when Frank Sinatra was here, which that's just stranger. Like, you know what I'm saying because it's like it's somebody that you I mean, I've never seen him in person, but it's like... You never saw him on the street? You know, I didn't see Frank in Newark. You never saw him on the M train platform when nope. the train was down? Nope. Not, not on the NJ Transit either. Oh, man. Maybe I should have been to Hoboken. <laughs> yeah, you got to go out to Hoboken. Yeah. But no, so wait. So so Billy, like, okay, so like, I'll give you an example. Like, so like, so like, I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't know if you can hear the beat. So like, if this is the beat, somebody would sing a song like, Summertime... And the living's easy, something like that. Mm-hmm. But she would play around with it. She'd be like, "Summertime and the living's easy." Like those little, like small things that, like people that aren't musicians might not even understand why it's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to think about because technically, what she's doing is she's singing offbeat. Yeah. Which obviously, if you're like a classical musician, you're like, you don't want to do that. You want to mm-hmm. sing right on the beat. How could you do that? Mm-hmm. But she was like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna sing it the way that I feel it. Yeah. And that is really the most influential thing. Like mm-hmm. that is really the biggest thing that every single singer that you've heard since then has taken a little something of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like no, no question. She's named like the voice of the century, and it's that for that reason. And it's crazy, just a talent. And she, she wasn't even um trained as a singer. She just came up and had a little gift, a big gift. But little that's tiny, crazy. Little tiny gift. A little tiny, <laughs> a little tiny. So she's getting her fame and her notoriety, and the joint is jumping right. Mm-hmm. Piano man's laying it down and stuff there was what was that club there was like that into it was an integrated nightclub cafe that, society yeah cafe society mm-hmm. that she goes there after she quits yes um what's his face is bad Artie shaw Artie, professionally right. known as what's his face <laughs> yeah what's his face shaw <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she goes there right uh, this guy like he purposely was like i want to start an integrated nightclub so that everybody can come, everybody can be together, everybody can enjoy the same music. Mm-hmm. And while she's there, this white dude comes up to her with this song mm-hmm. about lynching, mm-hmm. which is called Strange Fruit. Right. 
and gets her a lot of attention yeah in a lot of different ways yes yes People don't want to hear that song being sung. It's about lynching in the South. Um, it's a poem written by um, Abel Maripol, who who went under a pseudonym. But a young Jewish uh, guy from the Bronx wrote that poem. And then it, it, the poem got big. That's really interesting that, you know, I love uh, pre-technology because, like, look how that traveled all over. People, right. Like, you got to read this poem. You got to you got to read this. And now it's like you got to hear this song all of a sudden. So they wanted Billy to sing it. And um, everybody didn't want Billy to sing it. She the song touched her because it reminded her of how her father died, who actually went into the war and was exposed to mustard gas. And um, oh, is that what it was? Yeah. The mustard gas. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I knew why he died. I didn't know it was because of that. Yeah. And he was denied um, uh, medical treatment and stuff for for racial um, reasons and stuff. And she just it, it just reminded her of how he died, um, which is crazy. But a lot of people did not want her singing the song, including some some government officials as well. You know, because uh, that song was a stirring up people in ways that didn't need to be happening yeah that people were uh used to hearing shit like that at the time right right and it was like you know you're now now the people through the art and through the music are starting to question their own government you know the, yeah. go- the government that just saved them from a world war like you know, you know? who doesn't like that the, gov- the government <laughs> <laughs> i wonder why they hate that it's a quote from the government. So, yeah, so now um what's interesting about the strange fruit and the crusade uh for lack of a better word to try to get Billy Holly to not sing that is because um there was a particular bureau, a narcotics bureau um that was working, well, not narcotics yet, but they were working prohibition. It was basically the pre-ATF, right? Yes, the pre like drug enforcement, alcohol and tobacco, all yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um they didn't like that prohibition was coming to an end and there was like nothing to police. It's mm. just like what a lot of us are going to be shit out of jobs now, you know, and they're like, well, what can we focus on? And they're like, OK, well, we're going to focus on drugs. What else can we focus on? Right. What else could we stop people from doing um, drugs? So now they focus on drugs and a particular uh agent by the name of anslinger you know they want to focus on drug or harry 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 i'm gonna call wait so it was harry yeah so i'm gonna call him henry because fuck that guy fuck that guy so henry was a piece of shit oh my gosh i mean and and it's so funny because his his wife actually liked billy holiday which is even more strange um so now He's like, okay, well, I, I got to keep a job. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not going back to busting tables or whatever the fuck. He, sorry. Whatever <laughs> whatever he was doing with his life before he became an agent. That was a prestigious job for him. And he's like, I'm not going back to this bullshit. He's like, I got to find a reason. So now it's drugs. Okay, well, who's always doing the drugs? The musicians. How can I do, you know, how can I make my job easier? Musicians do drugs? Musicians dang it they always do drugs i don't think i ever knew that yeah so you know he's one of those people that didn't like the the obvious uh oncoming of integration in the society it was obvious it was inevitable mm-hmm. that that it was going to happen if even if it didn't wasn't happening in that day like any human can first see that okay 
this is going to happen so because you got white kids listening to jazz and going to jazz joints and you know you got musicians integrating working together and stuff like that and he's like fuck this he's like let's focus on the musicians specifically the jazz musicians because these are the ones that are bringing this foul integration into our country they're smoking reefer they're smoking reefers and i'm 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 not having it because we're not going to taint the rest of our society because it's only the jazz music that smoke these drugs okay no one else in the country including like founding fathers no one uses these drugs they invented it right they invented the plant right they (laughs) made the seeds in like a lab i thought that no oh shit my bad (laughs) they did those jazz musicians and so now he was cracking down on the jazz musicians, arresting them, trying to hold this one, hold that one. But the thing is, with the jazz musicians, nobody was snitching on anybody. That's right. And that was pissing him off. Take a note, New York. That's how it used to be here. But no one was snitching on. Excuse me, can you pull your mask up? <laughs> Sorry. All right, so he was pissed. He was like, I hate jazz. <laughs> I hate musicians. Your Henry I, voice is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I don't like it. <laughs> I stole it from Grumpy Smurf. I have stolen it from I think him. he was based on uh, Henry. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I keep trying to remember. I was like, well, which is the wrong name again? Because I'm calling him the wrong name. I'm not calling him the right name. This whole fucking podcast. Nope. So then he's like, now he's like, I hate blacks. And then he's like. I hate fruit. And then... (laughs) I hate trees. (laughs) You know, he's so pissed at the trees and the fruit. And then somebody starts singing about them. (laughs) He's like, oh, man. He's like, this bitch is going down. (laughs) So, so... Henry and his hate for fruit... (laughs) And nothing else. Gathers up all the other agents... And they're like, we gotta, we gotta end fruit. We gotta end it now. Like, we gotta crush it. <laughs> it's, it can't happen. It just can't. This is a vegetable kind of town. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So they're like, get all the fruit snitches that you know, like all the baskets. Get, oh, get them all. Get them all in here. And anyway. So now he's got this crusade. <laughs> he's got this crusade against this fruit. He does not want it. He wants to burst fruit and have the juice just spilling all into the streets. He wants people slipping on it. He wants people dying on it. He does not want fruit. He to wants exist. fruit juice on the leaves. Exactly. He does. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he does absolutely everything because he wants to target now, and he knows he can't get all the musicians. You can't put all the musicians in jail all at the same time, Hank. You just can't. So, so he's like, let me narrow it down on somebody. Who can I get? Yo, you know? I'm not going to lie for a second. I was like, who the fuck is Hank? And then I'm like, oh, right. That's the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know him. Hillary. Hillary. That's his name. Hillary Anslinger. So, yeah. So now he cracks down on Billie Holiday because he knows he's heard. And now she's, she's developed a drug problem. Before, she was just smoking a little weed and stuff like that. She ends up marrying this guy. And now she becomes a full-blown drug addict. The guy, yeah. Joe Guy? Yeah. I think I've heard it. Yeah. That's his name. Joe Guy. Joe Guy. I, I only remember that because I remember reading his name and I'm like, that's really his fucking name? It <laughs> sounds like somebody made it up like on the spot. Hey, who were you with yesterday? I uh, was with Joe Guy. Joe, Joe Guy. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Pleased to meet you. I'm Joe Guy. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and that's what pretty much happens. Like, um, he cracks down on her. She's got a new um, addiction, which is heroin now. And not only that, but she's singing this song. And it's just like, oh, come on. Now she's just walking around. Uh, there's a, I'm going to paraphrase a quote of him saying, you know, she's just walking around with her high priced clothes and, you know, and she's getting pretty much everything she wants. And like, everyone's at her beck and call. And now she's just singing this song and doing her drugs. And that made him sick. And he's like, I hate that. So for sure. And, and, and what's kind of ringing for me from, from Anslinger is that, okay, this is somebody who most likely grew up probably broke. You know what I'm saying? Probably a little bit of trashy. And got his ideal job with the federal government, okay? Mm. And now that job is about to dissipate. Like, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't want want to go back to farming or, you know, getting rid of horse shit or whatever he grew up doing. Shoveling shit. You know, and then, so he did all he did just to get to this freaking federal job, which, you know, come on, probably not paying a lot of health insurance and, you know what I'm saying? They probably great benefits. You know, but probably, you know, got to work like 15, 20, 16 hours just to make a good pay grade, probably barely, barely sees his wife. You get to arrest whoever you want. Well, then there's that. That's a great perk. Like Billie Holiday. But no, this black lady's pissing him the F off because, mm-hmm. you know, he most likely grew up poor, trash. Now he's got his government job. It's hanging in the, in the distance and he's got to figure out how to keep it. You know what I'm saying? And here's this woman whose people were slaves and now she's got a fur coat on and people are serving her filleted steak medium rare so you're saying he was a fucking hater <laughs> yes, and he billy was, was balling because <laughs> yes, she was making money at this point two thousand dollars a week that, i'll take it now yeah i'll take it now yeah, yeah yeah back then that's a fucking that's money yeah and she was spending a lot of it on drugs unfortunately yes yes which makes it kind of easy to get to her yes yeah, exactly exactly because you know? she's not the most responsible person if you're you know passing out in hallways this, this is stuff. the thing i want to say though i think it's funny so about this fucking guy who's <laughs> so adamant on destroying her life it's like here we are in the year 2022, yeah, and we're still talking about Billie Holiday, and we're gonna remember her for fucking ever. Yeah, and this guy, no one gives a fuck about this guy. <laughs> this guy's rotting in his grave alone. <laughs> Nobody cares, but no. Billie will live forever. Yeah, you know. So I think sure. in the end that it kind of you're you're still a fucking loser guy. Yeah, you still are. You know, and even after she passed away and he lived, I mean, he still had to still constantly hear stories about her. You know, because he lived to a, a good age and. You got to hear her being inducted into a rock and roll hall of fame. You got to hear her being at the voice of the century. You got to see her on magazines. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably he's like, I hate this. And I can't even do anything now. That's right. Now he had to hate life. Poor, poor Well, he probably already did. Yeah. There's a little movie. Harry hates life. I saw it. (laughs) Harry or Hank? Hank. Hillary? (laughs) Hobo. Tell us in the comments, which, which one you think is funnier? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So they get her. Yeah, yeah. They nab her. Those were the words from back in the day. They nabbed her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Drat. She got nabbed. <laughs> Sometimes you just get nabbed, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so they get her. Um, and she had to go to prison yeah. for like a year? And a day. Really? A year and a day? I don't know why they do that. They did that to little Kim, too. It was like a year and a day. Just Come- to make a point. Yeah. <laughs> They drag it home. And they and that was in Virginia, yeah, I think. Yeah. And she said that 
or I heard somebody say that she didn't sing a note while she was in there. Right. She was like, fuck that. Yeah. I ain't singing in here. No, no. Because no one was going to tell her what to do at any point, really. And, yeah, that's true. And because now we'll never know why the cage bird sings, because it doesn't. That's what we've heard. And we're never going to know how good that toilet wine is. No. In the presence. <laughs> no, no, no. But, <laughs> so... Oh, but this is the thing, though. So at the time, you had to have a what was it, a cabaret card? Yes. To work in New York City mm-hmm. as an entertainer anywhere where they sell alcohol, mm-hmm. which good thing they got rid of that fucking rule. I don't yeah. know when they got rid of that, but that seems so crazy to me. I know they have club laws too, kind of in New York City, where it's like if you own a bar, and if every night at your bar people like to get up, and more than a certain amount of people, let's say ten of them, like to get up and go to the corner of the bar and dance to the music all the time. The city can come in and be like, okay, you're running a club here, and that's a different license. Interesting. It's terrible. It's like Rome. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. But yeah, so that's so weird, though, because at least that's like something on the owner. Yeah. Versus to be an entertainer anywhere and have to be able to have this license to do anywhere where they sell alcohol, which is most places. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's so crazy. It's very interesting and very strange, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she gets her card taken away Mm -hmm. because she got arrested. Yeah. Thankfully, there's some larger areas and larger theaters. Greater venues. That don't necessarily have to sell alcohol because people are there for the arts. (laughs) And they're not there for whatever the fuck you do when you just want to get wasted and there happens to be some music in the background. That's that's not what this is about. Yes. And remember, at this point, she's been a star. Yeah. People know her. Mm -hmm. So she can come back. To a place like Carnegie Hall. That's right. And this is why I left early from work today. I realized while we were, I was getting ready for this, I was like, yo, I work a block from Carnegie Hall. I should leave early and get some video of what it looks like now uh-huh. so that I can play it on the screen right now uh-huh. while we're talking about it so that the people at home could see what Carnegie Hall looks like in 2022 yeah. as we're talking about it back in the day. Because I thought it was so... It's funny you just said something about Rome. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, this is so wild. Like, if sometimes when we talk about this, it feels like so long ago. But I'm like, this yeah. happened right here. I know. Like, I was literally right fucking there. I know. And I'm just like, this is not some old... This is not the Colosseum. Yeah. Like, this... The stage that she was on is still right in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's insane. And that's one of the things. It's like... Even though the city is falling apart, mm-hmm. there's still more history in New York City than anywhere else in America. And that's something that I kind of forget sometimes. Yeah. Until something like this where I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing this podcast about this legendary person. And the person in the place where she came back to is a block from where I work. It's it's <laughs> totally insane. I mean, Carnegie Hall, pretty much the oval office of all music symphony halls. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just got out of jail. Go to Carnegie Hall. How many people hear that? You know what I mean? Out right from jail to Carnegie Hall. And it was packed. Mm-hmm. It was packed. She got a standing ovation. And she still kind of doesn't understand what people like really like and love about her. It's just really, really strange that that would happen like that. So she plays there. She fills it up, she packs it out, and it's it's amazing. And if you've heard the the recording from it, it's just divine. Like Billie Holiday's singing and her facial expressions and like, you know, she's just a an honest singer mm-hmm. where you can see like everything that she's kinda of going through and stuff, um, while she's singing on stage, which is interesting. 
Yeah, and I mean, we spoke about it a little bit before, but just her style of singing is so, like, it's so, you can just really feel it. Because it's really interesting. I was watching a video. It's like a lot of the times like a singer is judged by like their range mm-hmm. or like how powerful their vocals are. Right. And she didn't have the greatest range. Right. And she didn't necessarily have the most like the strongest voice. Mm-hmm. But she sang with emotion in a way that nobody else really did. And all those things that we were saying earlier, how she played with the beat and she really made the song her own. Yeah. And that's something that you can really feel like to this day. Like you listen to like the oldest of her recordings and it's like if you listen to other recordings from that time like obviously it's going to sound a little old because the equipment isn't as new Mm -hmm. but like you hear the way that other people used to sing and it sounds old yeah you know what i mean like the voice like this the way that they do it it sounds old but you listen to billy like her earliest shit from like the 30s you can Mm -hmm. listen to that today and it literally sounds like she could be singing today yeah, she does something. It's like she pierces the air with her sound. It's something in comparison to all the ladies of that time. Yeah. You know, there's a tone in which they all sang a kind of like a lower tenor kind of tone. And even if they sang high, it still had a, mm, a kind of like a filtered kind of sound over it where Billy's voice kind of pushed through those filters and popped through the spaces in those filters. Yeah. If, 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 you know, if you can put that in any kind of imagery in your mind and stuff. Like, she just kind of just... Yeah, and even just the little inflections that yeah. she used, like, in between the notes or, like, at the end of the note. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's funny. She said... um So, like we said before, like, Frank Sinatra always said that Billy was, like, the best thing. Like, and she... He was like, oh, like, I knew Billy and she taught me so much. And, and she was just like, all I ever told him was how to bend some notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's over here like, oh, my God, I would be nothing without her. Like, <laughs> it's my whole career. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I just think that's I just think that's crazy. Yeah, totally amazing. I mean, so many um, more great things to say. You know, Billy took her name from a star that she used to watch, a silent film star, all the time, and then she took her last name, of course, which was her last name, but she took it from her dad. Yeah, and then they changed it a little bit to Holiday. So the that's spelling. Her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as opposed to Halliday. Yeah, the dad was Halliday. I mean. The male musicians that worked with Billie Holiday, I felt like I had a need to say this because, you know, yesterday we were talking about doing this podcast and we were just like, oh, we don't want to make it sad and stuff like that, you know, because it seems so tragic and this is that. But the male musicians that I saw interviewed um, that worked with her, uh, these interviews are probably taken in maybe like the 90s, maybe the 80s. So they had gotten older. They were probably in their 70s and Mm -hmm. stuff like that by then. They said Billy lived her life exactly the way she wanted to. Mm-hmm. She was not like downtrodden or anything. You know, like she had these instances with these asshole cops always trying to get her and stuff yeah. like that. But she liked her life. Like she she dealt with men whenever she wanted to. She dealt with women, women. whenever she wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually you know, this is not a plug. Don't go out and get one of these guys. She liked abusive men. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that no matter what you said. <laughs> I got to go get me some abusive men. So she, and, 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 and the, the musicians were like, they don't know if that's something from her past that she, she, she struggled with, that she needed that kind of confrontation and stuff like that. But she, wanted the abuse of men in her life and never you know complained too much about them she would just tape her ribs up 
anyway, go figure. And then get out there on the stage and start singing. Yeah. You know? I also heard that you she used to fight motherfuckers. Yes. She used to throw hands. <laughs> she wasn't fucking around. Like I heard a story somebody like put a cigarette cigarette out on her fucking co and she just fucking Fucked them up. Like, that's badass. That is pretty Somebody's badass. Like, she, fought, she fought like a man. I was like, whoa, whoa. shit, bro. Exactly. Exactly. But, like, you know. And that's what one of the um, the musicians was saying something. He was like a little tiny guy. He was like, I think that's maybe why she liked like these big, strong, abusive guys. Because, like, if she was with me, like, what am I going to do? That's literally what he said. I was right. like, uh, yeah. I don't know. She probably beat you up, guy. What do you mean? What, 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 she'd beat you up. Joe guy? <laughs> but yeah so you know just some uh terrible guys in her life guys that would sell her out to the cops you know especially if she didn't want to be with them anymore they run straight to the cops and be like let's set this bitch up i hate her so it's a running theme <laughs> yo chill out hillary um yeah what was where are we at now i forgot i kind of blinked out for a second yeah so we're here with her uh getting harassed constantly mm-hmm. by I'm going to call them the NFTs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll call them the Bitcoins. <laughs> exactly. Ethereum all day. By the Bureau of Narcotics. Okay. Head up by Anslinger, who hates Billie Holiday and hates blacks, but loves recognition. He's kind of extrinsic. Okay. This man, mm-hmm. you know, does things just for clout so he went so far as to getting a black division in the the nfts and he went (laughs) just kidding in the bureau of narcotics and they're all in the basement you know where the blacks are and he goes down there and he's like hey i hate you but you know what i hate worse (laughs) billy fucking holiday so he's like you're gonna go Get out there and you're going to hate her too. And we're going to set her up. So that's what he does. I just can't take anything serious in that voice. <laughs> it is such a serious thing that we're talking about. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. So, so they, they set her up. Yes. Again. Yeah. More or less. More or less. And Billy knew that the guy was a cop, but she didn't care. Cause I mean, he's probably hot. I feel you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably had drugs? Yeah, right? The, the the kinds that the cops get, the pure ones. <laughs> that evidence locker shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you know, um, she goes down, and but she's not out, but, you know, she kind of is at the same time because um there comes a point when the drugs stop liking you the host right okay you know the drugs love you when you're young and fresh and free but you keep abusing them and they're like the drugs are basically like i hate you Mm. (laughs) here's the thing if you guys don't know from our podcast basically you can't be a good musician if you don't do heroin (laughs) that's (laughs) that's that's the main takeaway from Music Maniacs. <laughs> like... okay. Sorry. But yeah, this shit comes up a lot with yeah. the heroin. It's always heroin, I, I feel like. Well, cocaine sometimes, but heroin more than yeah. anything. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Miles, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Page. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, it's, it's it's not cocaine. Like, yeah. I mean, because... Cocaine's a different kind of scene. It, 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 it is. It's more like a david lee roth kind of scene like you know what i mean and nothing against david it's, it's still a party great. thing 
but genius is not a word when you talk about David Lee Roth. Unless... What are you talking about? Unless you want to talk about the genius of front manship. You know, that should probably be a new word. You don't word. think he's a genius martial artist? Definitely not. Um, <sighs> if, if, How could you? If, if fame whore were a word, it's the genius of fame whoredom, because I love DLR. I can't wait okay? to put a goofy-ass picture of him on the screen right now. <laughs> I, want, I want the jump split <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the red and white pants. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Y'all got to watch on YouTube for all the little bonus shit we throw off the screen yeah. <laughs> if you're listening. But um, but yeah, but thanks for listening anyway, if you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, um, check out uh, check us out on Patreon uh-huh. <laughs> if you want to keep doing this and uh, get your name read out yes. and get bonus content for every episode and all that other stuff music maniacs patreon.com uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah. hashtag strange for change yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you said it you took the words right out of my mouth yeah so you know her body's starting to take its toll you know she's doing things that's kind of unsightly you know she's passing out she's not singing that well you know this is just like oh come on billy we're rooting for you. But Anslinger is like, yes, this is mm-hmm. great. She's slipping. You don't want to get caught slipping. Mm-mm. But unfortunately, Billy was caught slipping. You know, she had to go to uh, another reform place, rehab place. And, you know, she would get the, the nurse to kind of bring her a little bit of alcohol and stuff like that. But then they set her up putting heroin in her room in a basket that was far away from her that she couldn't even touch. But, um, you know, who were you going to argue? You know, even some of her friends were selling her out mm-hmm. at this point. So it was, it was so hard to deal with. And they took a picture. They even took, went as far as to handcuff her to her bed. She couldn't even get up. But she she was sick. She wasn't even going anywhere. Right. Well, what she really, she was in the hospital for cirrhosis, right? Yes, of the liver. Of the liver yeah. She also liked a good, nice, strong drink. Yes. yes. I heard this one story. This friend of hers, they were in like Paris together. And um, she was like a younger girl. And she like looked up to Billy. Yeah. And Billy was drinking some, I don't know what the drink was, <laughs> but she was just knocking him back. Uh-huh. And this this other girl was like, oh, let me have one of those. Like, Billy seems to be doing fine with them. And she had one, and she <laughs> fell on her fucking face. <laughs> and she was like, whoa, Billy's really drinking. Oh, my god, like, This is no joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the cirrhosis is what landed her in the hospital, but right. the other drugs definitely aren't good for your health. No, definitely not. Definitely not. The cirrhosis, I mean, because, you know, the liver will take its toll. Yeah, I mean, there are people that are doing H that are still alive to this day, <laughs> but the alcohol will probably take you out faster than the H, I think, if you abuse it super. It depends. Who knows? It can be more acute. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's in the hospital and, you know, she's pretty much sick and she's young, but she's dying. And, you know, the it seems like I don't want to say the whole government because, you know, government controls a lot of things, in, including the sound and recording industry. So mm-hmm. um, and she's definitely getting her sound and recording recognition and she's definitely playing huge venues and definitely getting mentioned in time magazine and stuff like that so it's not the whole government that's after her it's just this damn anslinger yeah i don't know it's such a weird it's such a weird time oh i forgot to mention something that i thought was super fucked up so when she was making money yeah she hooked up her mom yeah right like you do when you've got money you look out for your family so her mom opened like a restaurant basically just borrowing hella money from billy 
And one day, Billy needed a little bit of that money back because she spent a little bit of it too much, maybe on some heroin, maybe some other things. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so she goes out to her mom, like, hey, mom, like, can I get you know some of that money that is basically from me? Uh-huh. And she was like, no. <laughs> That's my money. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? So it's just really fucked up. I mean, basically, so many people in her life just used her. Yeah. You know, even her own mother. Yeah. Like, very, very shameful. I guess the mother felt. You owe me that money because I pushed you out. Moms, don't do this. <laughs> don't do it unless they deserve it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's really shameful. But in that argument, she did come out with one of her greatest songs ever, yes, which yes. is God Bless the Child That's Got His Own. Because she yelled out at her mom as she's walking out. And uh, biggest song to this date. It's crazy to believe that she didn't have a lot of number ones. She only had one number one. Uh, song Billy Holiday and I think it's called like careless or ca- yeah careless or something carelessness oh it's not even a song that like we know no it's really interesting yeah but that's... I mean she was always on the charts right yeah it's crazy that a billboard existed back then and you know and like metronome magazine and yeah, downbeat yeah. magazine and it's just like what it's like how dare you guys exist back then? You only exist for us, okay? How dare you? Our generation. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so her health declines. Uh-huh. They set her up. Mm-hmm. She's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they literally handcuff her to the fucking bed. Yeah. And take her mugshot yeah. in the hospital as yeah. she's dying. Yeah. That's how bad they wanted to get rid of her. Insane insane if i were she you know what i would do i would just start singing strange fruit right there <laughs> oh just, that would have been badass hell yeah i would have done that yeah um i think i i think anslinger's wife went to the concert at carnegie i i really think she, mm, I oh think she he must have hated that oh he hated it <laughs> i heard another story that um that sinatra went and saw her in the hospital Oh. And he was he was a very much an anti-drug guy, mm-hmm. but he was like I don't know so sad to see her in that state that she asked him for drugs and he tried <laughs> and he tried his hardest to do it. Aww. He was like going around the town like trying to because he you know he's like try he 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 may have known some people in the mob. He he may have he may have had some connections mm-hmm. and he was like trying to get the shit and he couldn't get it for her in time and she fucking died. Oh man! And then I heard that he just like locked himself in his apartment for like days and just cried. Oh man! But I wasn't there. I mean, I can't confirm. But if he really loves Billy, like like people said, and like he said, yeah, then it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, I've yeah, and I've heard other stories about Frank locking himself in his room and doing certain things. So, He's a moody guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. We love you, Frank. R.I.P. But yeah, so this is Billy's life. And yeah, we don't want to make it. We try to have some laughs during this podcast because we don't want it, you know, yeah, to be make it seem like everything happened to her. And this is that where it's like I wouldn't say that she like loved her life and was like elated with everything, but she was all right with her life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for someone like her who grew up the way she did, that was the most control and in charge and high that she could have ever dreamed for herself to go, you right. know, cause she could have ended up in so many other situations. One, you're a child out of wedlock, you're a child of teen parents, 
poor area, not educated, like, you know what I mean? You know, what, what would your skills be? Cleaning, cooking, hanging you know, out with dead bodies, hanging out with dead bodies and stuff them. like that. Exactly. You're probably getting heavily, heavy into crime and coming into a short life because of that too. Right. So I feel like, I feel like she was grateful for a lot of things that happened in her life. You yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So she probably didn't notice. And I, I know one being, you know, on drugs a lot too. It was hard to like, kind of like center in and like really step into reality. But she had said something to Maya Angelou, who was a budding singer at that time before too. And she was like, Maya Angelou introduced her on the stage and was like, um, we have a wonderful person here. And this was after Billy had already like reached her super heights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Billy holiday is here. And, and, um, in this club with us and people got up and they started clapping and Maya Angelou said Billie Holiday didn't even acknowledge them anything didn't acknowledge the clapping acted like she didn't hear it or anything like that so they probably figured you know everybody just like let it slide but they always probably figured like oh she's probably high or something like that mm-hmm. but then um Billy got up to go to the bathroom and um well actually Maya started singing and Billy yelled out shut that bitch up shut that bitch the f up she reminds me of my mother singing like that. And Billy got up and went to the bathroom. Oof. I know. Damn. And then um, Maya Angelou went back there and um, Billy said to Maya, um, did you hear them all clapping like that and stuff? And, and Maya was like, yeah. So she was like, you heard them clapping. She was like, they don't care. They don't care. They just came to see the black lady. They just want to look at the black lady on drugs. You know, so I don't think she really had an idea of what she did for music and for for like music culture and for different genres of music coming down the line. I don't think she right. she came to grips with that at all. And that's a shame because I think if she lived longer, then she would have understood it more as time goes on. Because yeah. then she would have got to a point where she would be like an old lady and young people would be coming up to her like, oh my God, it's Billie Holiday. Absolutely. And it's like, what? Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel that way too. I feel like if she had made it to the 60s, um, the 1960s, she could have definitely entered a reflective time in her life yeah. where she could have been like, oh yeah. Because I, when I was a child, I was surprised she was alive in the 50s. Yeah. I only like thought of her as like a 1930s and person. she was right on the cusp. She died in 59. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, it's, well, probably it's meant to be, but I definitely could have seen that her in like 1965, you know, with the big glasses yeah. when you, when you finally make it yeah, and they give you the big glasses to let you know that you're a G mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, probably got a cigarette and there's a little recording there and she's just, you know, going back about her life. They say that her autobiography, you know, she got with the guy to write her autobiography it was more money driven because she was kind of broke at the time. I heard that. And her well. friends say it's like too sensationalized because they a lot of them were there with her in those hey, situations. Hey, you gotta sell some books. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. So so yeah. Um, I came out of it after after like researching and listening to the musicians talk about her and listening to her friends talk about her. I don't feel. I empathize with everything that she went through, but I don't feel, I don't pity her no, anymore. No, 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 like, no. you know, I used to like pity her and be like, gosh, this is terrible. And like, but nah, this lady, she came, a nice New York quote from the Ghostbusters. She came, she saw, and she kicked its ass. That's what she did. Like, you that's know, true. yeah. So that's cool. I mean, the thing is like, Anybody that we're going to talk about on this podcast has made it to basically a legendary level. Yeah. Where it's like, 
you've done more than most people will ever do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's what I was saying before. It's like, we're still here talking about Billy, somebody that was born over a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And we don't even, we don't give a fuck about the people that were trying to take her down. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's not what you remember. You remember the positive things. You remember the, the art. You remember the influence. Yeah. You don't remember this negativity that was trying to fucking tear her down. Exactly. You just remember what she was able to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the thing that lives on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what's great. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh-huh. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this, right? Kind yeah. of like honor her legacy, you yeah. know, yeah, her memory, absolutely. keep yeah. it going on. And, you know, hopefully maybe some young people this are listening to this and maybe they don't know Billie Holiday and it inspires them to listen to it. Right. Quick story. I actually just remember this. The first time I ever heard Strange Fruit is because Kanye sampled it okay. in a song, Blood on the Leaves. Uh-huh. And I, when I was a kid, well, it was the Nita Simone, Simone version. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid, I used, to, I used to listen to rap music, and I would always be like, there was this uh, website called whosampled.com, uh-huh. and I used to always look up like who the samples were, yeah. and that's how I found so much of the older music that I know now. Yeah. So I think it's really cool how you know, things are like circular. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. because of that, she's going to live so much longer. Yeah. You know? That's true. That's true. Not you, Anslinger. Who? <laughs> I was going to say, we'll see you in hell, but I ain't going there. You're in hell. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's in the, that room in the Catholic school. <laughs> With the dead girl. <laughs> Billy put him there. She's your judge. <laughs> now when somebody acts up, they got to deal with two dead bodies. <laughs> But yeah, I guess um, I don't How know. Is there anything Catholic else? Girl died? Oh, mm. <laughs> the nun just fucking oh, killed uh, her ass. <laughs> Joey Diaz could tell you a story about uh, that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, they were unpure and they walked into the church. <laughs> but yeah, I guess. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for being here, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening uh, to us ramble about um, New York City uh-huh. and about <laughs> Billy Holiday <laughs> and that fuck who shall not be named nah. because we hate him. <laughs> Thanks for being maniacs with us. We appreciate you. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, spread the word. It's the best thing you could do for us. We'd really appreciate it. Help us get bigger so we can move the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> for real. And um, we'll see you next time. See you guys.